Welcome to Twice Board Podcast. My name is Mike Bailey. On this episode, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There is a study that goes along with it that you can download and do during the week or in a group. Also, you can go to our website, twiceborn.net, and get more information and different studies. Well, I hope this will be beneficial to you and that God will bless you as you pursue him. 1 Corinthians is an interesting book. Last week we started to look at how similarities between us, uh, our culture today, and that culture back then. Corinthians was a place of wealth, prosperity, and also a lot of challenges when it came to morality. And so we see some correlations. And Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth to encourage them, but also to guide them and to give them understanding. And I don't know about you, but I think every day, if you look at the news at all, or you pay attention to what's going on, it can be frustrating, it can be challenging, it can be discouraging. Um, And and I think as believers, as believers, and today I think what we're going to look at as we look at uh, chapter two, is seeing that the mystery of God in many ways is seeing how he provides, he gives us eternal focus, and he has revealed things so that we can have peace in times of challenge, we can have peace when, when things don't make sense. But there are moments in our life where we wonder, am, am I making a difference? Uh, where are we going as a people? What is happening? Why are things the way they are? And it can be pretty discouraging and it can be um, depressing. And it reminded me when I was doing this, getting ready for this message of a book I had read. I don't know if many of you've read the C.S. Lewis books about Narnia. Has anyone read these? Uh, one of the most famous is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. They made some movies about these. Uh, but it's a series, and C.S. Lewis is a, a very strong Christian author, uh, very well-read, very scholarly, uh, and yet he wrote this as a children's book, but it has some profound truths. And if you ever read, and I don't want to be a spoiler here, I don't, a spoiler alert, because I'm going to tell you, I don't want to ruin these books for you, but this is, it, it kind of goes along with what we're talking about today. Uh, if you read The Horse and His Boy, it's about a young guy in the beginning of the story who uh, thinks that he has always been a slave. Um, he is owned. Uh, he's used for manual labor. He feels no value. He feels no importance. He doesn't, he doesn't quite understand life and, and why things are so horrible for him. And he finds out that he's about to be sold. And so he decides he's going to run away. Uh, and he meets this horse. Uh, his name is Shasta, and the horse's name is Bree. He meets the horse Bree, and then uh, shocking to him, the, the horse can talk, right? How many of you remember the famous Mr. Ed? <laughs> See, you guys are right there. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, unless that horse is the famous Mr. Ed. And so the horse talks to him. Now, now all the animals in Narnia can talk, only the special ones. And this horse says, I want to run away with you to Narnia. I want to get away. And so they go on this adventure. And as part of the adventure, he finds out about a scheme to attack Narnia by surprise and to destroy it. And so he gets there just in the nick of time to Narnia to warn the king that there's this impending battle, this this surprise attack, and they're they're able to thwart the enemy, and he becomes um, a hero. And through all of this, he finds out at the end of the story, and this is the spoiler, he finds out at the end of the story that when he was a baby, there was a prophecy made about him that one day he would save Narnia. And the enemy found out about it, and they tried to kill him as a baby. And so he was actually uh, put out, and he was in a boat, and, and he was found on the shore. And that's how his story began. And he finds out that he's actually a prince. And as the story kind of builds into the narrative, is that he went from a place where 
life seemed miserable and, and pointless and horrible, and why did all these bad things happen to him, and why was life so tough, and why do things seem to get worse and worse, why are there so many challenges, um, and in the end he finds out, and, and if you know the stories, you know that Aslan represents the Lord, and Aslan had been guiding his story and, and bringing him to safety to the very end where he recognizes that he is a prince and that he would be crowned king. And the end of the story is a happy story. He ends up becoming king and uh, happily ever after. But you know, in our lives today, we can feel that same way as Shasta felt. We can feel hopeless. We can feel like, why are things this way? Or why are there so many challenges? Or, or why do things kind of snowball in such a bad way? And, and I think... Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're given a glimpse of something that can be really helpful. And, and as we read it together, I'm, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would encourage you today. My prayer is that for us as a body in this room, that we would sense God's love for us and that we would uh, begin to realize who we are in Christ and, and really um, look into that mystery of what does it mean? Why, why should we be happy in the midst of trials? Why should we have joy in the midst of pain? Um, why does that work or how does that work? And so we're going to dive into that this morning. If you uh, would like to pray with me, we're going to precede in prayer and then we're going to be looking at the New Testament to see what God has to say to us today. So let's precede uh, in prayer and ask the Lord to lead us. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we get to open your word. I thank you for Paul and his commitment to you. I thank you for the church in Corinth. This There were issues, Lord, but you were present and you helped them persevere and you gave them wisdom and guidance. And Lord, we pray that you would do the same thing for us today, that you would give us wisdom and guidance that we may understand life. And Lord, help us um, to not just see the temporal, but to see the eternal. Help us to recognize we've already won in you and, and there's nothing to fear. Uh, and Lord, that you are with us, you are for us, you are guiding us. You're in this, ple this, uh, in this place with us at this moment. You know our hearts, you know our minds. Uh, Lord, you have set us free from the shackles of sin. And Lord, uh, I pray as we look at your word, if, if anyone doesn't know you, that they would know you today, Lord, that they would receive you as Savior. And for those that know you as Savior, that they would be uh, renewed in their strength, in their mind, and in their focus. And so Lord, I pray you'd bless the reading of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we turn over to Corinthians, I want to give us a context passage. I think it's always good to look back at what Jesus said about these topics. Uh, Jesus is our center. Jesus is our focus. Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. He is what we build our lives upon. And so he gives us some really, uh, really interesting information in Luke chapter 10. So if you want to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verse 23. I think there's some insight here that can be really helpful as we read first, uh, as we go to Corinthians chapter 2 in a moment. Luke chapter 10, verse 23, here's what it says. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things you see, but, not, but did not see them. To hear the things you hear, but did not hear them. Jesus turns to his disciples. They have been following him. He's been teaching. And he says to them, you are blessed because you have heard things that kings and prophets would have loved to heard. Do you know what the amazing thing is? We are reading the things that he said that kings and prophets wish they had heard. As we read this, this chapter in Corinthians, as we look at it, what Paul writes to the Corinth church, uh, we are told once again where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going. 
We are told we have a loving Father who desires to give us wisdom, desires to give us understanding so that we can live the way we were created to live. If you're to think in your mind's eye, go back a thousand years, go back 3,000 years, how many people lived on this planet that were wealthy and powerful yet did not really know where they came from, why they're here and where they're going. They did not know that there was a loving God who had sacrificed for them, that had a desire to be in relationship with them. How many people are within uh, 50 miles of us right now who have real no, no concept, no secure concept, they can't say with certainty where they came from, why they're here and where they're going and that there's a loving God that they are in a relationship with? Do we recognize the true favor of God, the true insight that God has given that we would know these profound truths, that you and I today can know who we are, whose we are, and where we're going? Jesus says that for many, this is a mystery. For many, it's just, how do I make it to tomorrow? I'll figure it out in the end. How do I just make it today? Today, how do I survive? Life becomes just a circle of work and rest and play and work and rest and play. And that is the totality that I watch those around me and I do what they do and I, I mimic what I see so that I feel some sort of certainty about life. I feel some sort of uh, understanding or some purpose in life, but really that purpose is just following what everyone else is doing. There's no rock on which that is built. There is no eternal truth that I can look to and say, this is the truth that I can rely on in every circumstance. There is no truth that is so powerful that even in the midst of the darkest day in my life, I still have light. Do you see how powerful this that that here are these guys, they're fishermen, they're nobodies. They're not the rich, they're not the famous, they're not the powerful. They have very little influence. And Jesus has chosen them to be his disciples. And as he's going along, he says, you have something that the pharaohs and the kings and the, the prophets have wanted desperately to have and did not have. And yet you have it. And do you recognize that we too are in that same boat with them? That in your hand, if you have a Bible, you have something that millions, perhaps billions of people that have lived on this planet would die to have had or die to have today. You realize in China, they will memorize books of the Bible because no one could truly have a full Bible uh, in Afghanistan and places around the world where it's illegal to read from the Word of God. It's illegal to claim Jesus as Savior. It is illegal. You can be put to death. You can be imprisoned for these things. How much they cherish this truth. How much they truly understand the value of what we have here today. It's a powerful thing to recognize that God has entrusted us his church, with the knowledge of eternal things. There is no television, there is no commercial, there is no news broadcast that is going to declare this type of truth and be definitive and be confident. Do we really understand what we have? Do we really understand what we have today? A place to worship God people that we can gather with that encourage us. The Word of God itself for the revelation of God that we would understand all of these things. We would understand why the world is broken. We would understand what the solution to the brokenness is. What an amazing thing. What an amazing gift that we've been given. What an awesome thing that God has entrusted us with. And so now as we look to 1 Corinthians, as we have context, we see, we have pretext that Christ has established these things 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And so many people in the United States, how many people have Bibles in their house that is just collecting dust, right? How many people have Bible apps on their phone that has never been opened? How many people have the cure of eternity within fingertip range at all times and yet will never find it? How many people can read the Bible and say it doesn't make any sense It's so disjointed. I don't understand. It seems old-fashioned. I don't understand these things. Do you know why that is? Do you know why? If you go to church and you're bored and you read God's Word and it makes no sense and, and things don't fit together for you, there's one clear reason. You don't have the interpreter. You got to have the interpreter. I can tell you as one who's experienced it, if you go to church and and you try to read the Bible and you try to pray and you try to learn these things and you don't have the interpreter in you helping you to understand it, it'll be boring and mindless. You see, this is why you have to have the Holy Spirit of God who is the interpreter living within you so that when you read his words, it jumps off into your soul and it nourishes you as a food. This is a clear uh, truth that is revealed through Scripture that reading it on its own without the Spirit of God, you will never truly understand what it says. And you will never truly hear from God. Because until those words are reflected through the light of the Holy Spirit, you won't see them clearly. And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that the Spirit searches everything. It even tells us the deep things of God. And the Spirit looks into us. And here's the issue. The issue is, do we have a blockage with the Spirit? Right? Do we have an issue because maybe there's something that that we've put in place of God, therefore God's Spirit cannot reveal things to us that He would like to reveal to us. You see, today, the wisdom that I pray we have is from above. Because as we read this, and as hopefully you're reading along with me or you're listening, you're not hearing Mike Bailey. You're hearing the Holy Spirit of God saying to us what he wants us to understand. As I read this, I, I don't read this like I read a history book. I read this as a love letter, as, a, as, as God's notes to me on life, on eternal words that will never fade away. Why I'm here, what I'm to be doing, how I am to live, why things are the way they are. It reveals itself through the Spirit of God. Why I should love people, how I should love people, how I should be a father, how I should be a a, a husband, how I should be a pastor, how I should be a citizen. All of these things are revealed through the words of God, through His Spirit revealing them. And I'm telling you, I know why church is boring to so many. Because if you don't have the Spirit, yes, it will be mindless. And, and distant. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Now we have not received the spirit of the, word, of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person who is without the spirit does not receive what comes from God's spirit. Because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it's, it, it evaluates, it's evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything. 
and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. There's only one way to have the mind of Christ. That's if you have the Holy Spirit living within you. My prayer is that as you have heard the gospel, my prayer is that everyone in this room has understood what the gospel means when it says to confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved, that you confess your sin. Part of that sin is self-centeredness, is self-worship, is, is idolatry. It's, it's, it's rejecting God and receiving him. And, and as Lord, then he becomes the leader of your life. And the Lordship allows then for him to gift himself unto you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit enters into you, and the Holy Spirit gifts you, and the Holy Spirit gives you understanding. Even a small child who's been filled with the Holy Spirit can have understanding. Did you know, most of you I think do know this, but it's an amazing truth, that when baby John the Baptist was still an infant in his mother's womb, he had not been born yet, he was still a child within his mother, he leaped for joy because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in, human, in humans that are open to the Holy Spirit to move in. And as we study His Word and as we come together and we sing songs about Him and we read from His Word and, and we pursue Him, the only way we can truly pursue Him is if we're spiritually minded, not earthly minded. That the wisdom that we're trying to get isn't the wisdom that they tell us on the news. It's not the wisdom that they teach in the universities. It's not the wisdom that we're told about on the commercials. It's not the wisdom that we're taught through a world that has no foundation. Our wisdom does not come from human thought or intellect or understanding. It wasn't made up by a bunch of people. It was God-given through His Holy Spirit. The words we actually are reading have been delivered to Paul through the Holy Spirit to record it so that even us today, yes, the Corinthian church could understand it, and yes, today we can understand it. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who guided it. The Holy Spirit is the one who delivered it. The Holy Spirit is interpreting and revealing to them and to us the truth of who He is and how we are to be. John chapter 3, verses 5 through 7 says this, Jesus answered, Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed by what I tell you, that you must be born again. And so I want to go back to the mystery question. What does God want to know, us, know about the mystery? And, and how do we deal with a life that's so full of challenges? We look at the world and it's broken. We look at the world and there's distress. In your personal life, there's distress. In our, in our corporate life, as, as citizens of this place, there's distress. The Holy Spirit gives peace. And here's the thing, and, and it's so important, that as you begin each day, you look to the Spirit of God to guide you. You acknowledge that He is there and He is with you. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and said, Good morning, Spirit. I know the Holy, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within me. I am a temple. He does not dwell in a temple made by hands. He does, not, he does not live in a building like this. He lives in a temple like this. And the more you recognize Him and the more you acknowledge Him, and James, the brother of Jesus, says that, that God wants to give you wisdom in a generous manner. He wants you to have a fullness of understanding. He wants you to know who you are. 
And the more that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you get the fruit of the Spirit in your life, and joy is one of those fruits. And joy is not built on your circumstances. Joy is not built on what's going on. I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you saw this clip this week, but the Oklahoma softball player girls, did anyone see this? The Oklahoma uh, team beat Florida State, and they were on the podium, and they were being interviewed, and the, uh, the person that was interviewing them said, how do you keep your joy in the midst of adversity? How do you make sure, how do you deal with, because you guys had a lot of challenges to get here, and the young lady that answered, she said, uh, joy is only given by Jesus, by the Lord. Uh, happiness can come when you're in a good situation, when things are going your way, but joy happens no matter what. And she talked about her coach reinforcing this in her life. And it was a powerful testimony of a teaching that you will not understand and may seem foolish to you unless you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And so this morning, as we come to this place, yes, there are challenges. Yes, the world is, is sinful. But I believe, and this is something I'm convicted of, if all I do as a Christian is look at what's broken around me, I miss what God is doing. If all I do is look at how bad things are, and I look and see the problems, and I look and see the issues, and, and I allow it to just saturate into my heart, I become like Shasta, and I begin to believe, what, what can I do about this? What's the point of all this? It makes no sense. I am to turn my mind into a different direction and look at the Holy Spirit of God and say, you have gifted me with the truth that you have given me the ability to share with others. That they too may have the Holy Spirit in them. Do you recognize that every human you've ever known and will ever know is a vessel built to hold the Holy Spirit? They are a vessel built to hold the Holy Spirit. If I went to your house and you had all these cups and you said to me, I have nowhere to pour this drink, I would say, you have all these cups. Why not use them? How many cups are there as human beings within uh, Port Orange, Daytona, Volusia, that need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? They need to know why they are here, what their purpose is. They are valued because Christ died for them and He rose again that they may be filled with the Holy Spirit of God that they may have a future. You see, the truth of, of what we see through Scripture is that one day, one day, this life, this physical life will come to an end. And then our eternal existence begins. The Bible tells us that it's appointed once for a man to die, and then there's judgment. I would not want to enter judgment without the Holy Spirit and Christ's blood covering my sin. And so every day, every day, from this day to that, my goal, my hope, my prayer is to focus in on what God is doing. That I would be so distracted with the things of God, I wouldn't have time to worry about the worldly issues. I'd be so mesmerized by the gift and mysteries that God has revealed. You know, the saddest thing for me, the saddest thing for me is that our culture has been so saturated with the gospel. So saturated that God uh, came into earth as a man and, and lived a perfect life and died on a cross and rose again. That the many, they can sit and hear that message and it means nothing. How many people have heard that in their life and, and they disregard it? And they say, it's no big deal. So what? That doesn't solve my finances. That doesn't solve my health. That doesn't, because in their minds, the power is the temporary. And they don't see the power in the eternal. In their minds, it's got mixed up what really matters. What really matters is eternal things. And so this morning, as we've gathered here, as we've gathered here, is the Holy Spirit leading you in your life? 
I found in my life when I let the flesh lead, it gets depressing. When I let the flesh lead, I get worried. When I let the flesh lead, I start to get concerned that i got to fix all the problems. When I let the Spirit lead, you know what I feel? Relieved. (laughs) I feel joy. I don't have to solve all those problems. I don't have to fix the world. I don't have to make everything perfect for everyone all the time. I'm a child of the King who is not only my King, He's not only my Lord, He's also the one that lives within me, that guides me and interprets life so that I can understand. And this morning, I think it would be a great benefit for all of us to recommit ourselves to being Spirit-led. As here in Corinthians, it says the challenge of Corinth was there was so much fleshly things around them. Let's be honest, Daytona is a fleshly place. There's a lot of money made on the the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. There's a lot of focus here. There's a lot of things to distract. And so the temptation is, is to get distracted by the flesh and to avoid the spirit. And we need to first look into that true, honest mirror of spiritual uh, truth that God's Word gives to us and say, am I spirit-led or am I fleshly-led? And every day that becomes my my, uh, operation of the day. Today I'm going to look into the mirror and see where I am so that I then can go into the world and help others to find that truth as well. And I begin to see a mission in my life. How does someone get right with Christ? How does someone get right with God? By sharing the gospel. And the gospel does what? It prepares them for the Holy Spirit to indwell them so that they can be spirit-led, born-again, twice-born people. And they can truly live out their purpose for why God created them. And so this morning, the challenge that we have, and it's interesting that it always seems to come back to this, are we going to live in the flesh or are we going to live in the Spirit? Am I committed to the flesh? Do I obey the flesh? We're about to go on a mission trip. And I'm telling you, the flesh sometimes shows its ugly head a lot on these types of things because you're out of your comfort zone. You're not getting all the sleep. You're eating different food. Uh, You're around people all the time. It's just a challenge. And your flesh wants to be revealing itself. (laughs) It wants to dominate. And in these moments, it's an amazing opportunity to let the Spirit lead you. When I would be cranky, I'm going to allow Him to bring peace and kindness. And the Holy Spirit begins to do miraculous things in your life. He begins to transform your attitude. That's why the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and long-suffering. That the more you saturate yourself and open yourself to the Holy Spirit in your life, He begins to transform you. And it's no longer you, it's Him. And people see Jesus in you and they say, you weren't like that before. You didn't act like that before. What happened to you? Why are you this way now? Because I'm spirit-filled. I'm not filled with the flesh. I'm filled with the spirit. And I desire to have that every day of my life. And so are you twice born today? How do we apply this to our lives? First, I think this is so important. Thank God for his revelation. Can you imagine life if God had never given us his word? I don't think people recognize I know they see all the problems the church has caused and they see all the issues, but they really don't understand the impact of God's Word on the world. We don't have freedoms. We don't have rights. We don't have any of the things we have. 
We literally would be living in, let's kill each other every day. There is no freedom. There is no uh, mercy. There is only might makes right, and the power will reign if there was no, at least we're, in our world, that would be the way it is. In the Western culture, it would be a kill or be killed, horrible place. There would no, probably be no hospitals, probably no universities, probably no places that care for the, the poor or those that are destitute. Because these are principles that Christ taught. These are principles that are built into the idea that God made us with, with intrinsic value, that we are valuable. And so we need to thank God that he revealed this and that so many people understood this revelation, that they applied this revelation, and that these principles have been taught so that people understand this. And so we need to thank God for his revelation. Second, we need to confess sin. The number one thing that keeps the Holy Spirit from guiding you in your life is when you don't confess sin. Unconfessed sin keeps a wall between you. It's called quenching the Holy Spirit. You've quenched him. He cannot reveal himself to you. He cannot guide you because sin is in the way. And so he says, confess your sins one to another regularly so that you may be holy vessels, so that you can follow where he's leading you. And so confession, yes, there's, a, 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 there's the repentance once for all of your sin. And, and I believe all of your sin is, is separated as far as the east is from the west. But then there is God working in your life every day from that point on of confession. I confess my sins so I become more like you. I confess my sins so that I have a, a full, meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit so he guides. Thirdly, ask the Holy Spirit to guide and instruct you. Do you know that God reveals through his word he likes us when we communicate with him through prayer? We say, God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, guide me today. Holy Spirit, fill me with your understanding. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your guidance today. How often in your life do you find yourself turning to the Holy Spirit for guidance? There's a lot of places people turn, right? The best place is to turn to the Holy Spirit. And so I would encourage you, be intentional. Ask, seek. He says, if you ask and you seek, he promises that he'll deliver to you. But if you don't ask and you don't seek, you won't receive. James tells us again, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you do it out of selfish reasons. And so it's purified asking the Lord, the Holy Spirit for guidance. And, and, and David did an amazing thing. When he realized how, how badly he had sinned, he said, search me, O Lord. Try me. See me if there's any wickedness within me. That's a great response to have in life. Search my heart. Search me. Father, if there's anything in me that is, is sinful, please help me to confess it so that I can be in right relationship today. Fourthly, actively love God. Have you ever thought your relationship with God is a, is a loving relationship? How many loving relationships do you have in your life? What make them work? I know for me, you have to have some quality time. You got to make a priority of the person. If you truly love someone, you don't avoid them. You don't miss those opportunities. You make it on your calendar. This is a priority. A loving relationship is a gift. It's a, it's a, a, a thoughtful word. It's a, it's a praise. It's a, I want to get to know you, and the best way I can get to know you is by reading your word. Have you ever thought of your life as, as one of a love relationship with God, seeking him, that agape love, that love that sacrifices? 
That love that says, I want to know you more today than I knew you yesterday. I want to be committed to time with you. I want to know your heart and I want our hearts to be one. Do you pursue God in that way? Or is God some distant thought that's there to judge? We have to rethink our view on God. He's a loving God who desires for a deep, meaningful relationship. Christ died to open the door to that relationship. And then finally, pursue the mind of Christ. Pursue the mind of Christ. A lot of things happen. I see things and I, and I wonder, why, what is going on? And then I think, well, what does Jesus think about that? Right? How would Jesus respond? Now, there's certain things, you know, Jesus sees some water. How does he respond? He walks on it. Right? I couldn't do that. But I know who, when I see that water, who created that water. And I, who I can trust when I'm on that water. Right? If I see those who are hungry, do I turn my back? When I see those that are in pain, do I stop my day? When I see those things in life, how does Jesus respond? If I want the mind of Christ, then I have to be in tune with who Christ is. And I can really only know who Christ is by his word. In which I seek it and I find it, I recognize it and I apply it. Today, if we were to be honest with ourselves, are we seeking the mind of Christ? Do you want your thoughts to be the same thoughts as Jesus? Because the greatest temptation in our time, because of the internet and constant entertainment, is that our minds are so distracted that they're nothing like Christ. Our minds are so focused on things that Christ would never focus on that we miss what he has for us. And we miss the blessing and we miss the guidance and we miss the correction because our minds aren't on the mind of Christ. So this morning, we've been given amazing tools. And I want to remind us and encourage us, these aren't here to beat us down, but to build us up. If you walk away guilty, uh, it's not because God is making you guilty, it's because he's calling you higher. He's saying, go higher, go deeper, follow me more. I have wonderful things in store for you. Just come on. Don't worry about all that stuff. Stop all that stuff. Come follow me. Come follow me. My, my spirit will guide you. My spirit is with you. My spirit is strong. There's no mystery for my spirit. There's no surprises. I'm with you, even to the very end. I will be there the moment you die. Do you realize that right now? The moment you give your last breath on this planet, the Holy Spirit of God will be there with you. And you know what's next? Him welcoming you. That's pretty amazing. That the moment to be separate from this life is to be present with the Lord. That when you separate, that no longer this heart beats, and all that your life, that little dash between your birth and your death, all of that is accumulated. And it's over. He says, I'll be with you. And as you fall asleep, you'll wake up in glory. How many would love to know that truth today? How many are deathly afraid of that moment that they breathe their last breath? How many, and I didn't mean to use the word deathly afraid, but that's true. The fear of death. The fear of what's next. The fear of disappearing forever. These are true fears that people have. And yet we have been gifted a truth that we can have a peace and we can have a joy 
and we can have an assurance. This morning, as we've read God's Word together, what is He saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your life right now? What is God revealing in your heart? What is He saying in a way that only He can say it to you? As we close out this time, and as you would close your eyes and, and bow your heads, just for a moment, Father, speak to us that we would understand, that we would be able to apply and live out the guidance that you will give us. Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, I pray right now, Lord, that they would hear your voice and that they would understand that if they are willing to confess and believe, you will come in and you will be part of their life until they leave this life. But we're grateful for all the, the promises you make. We're grateful that you have allowed us to gather here and to talk about this. We're grateful for your word. Lord, help us never to be numbed by the truth of the gospel. Help us never to miss what you have for us. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing. We pray now, Lord, that you would continue as we leave and go into our lives, that, Lord, you would stay there in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, and that we would walk with you every day of our life as we look forward to your return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Twice Born. I hope it was helpful in your search to know God better. Make sure you check us out on social media or at twiceborn.net. God bless.